Greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony, and I'm your host, Etienne McClintock. By the Word of Their Testimony is based on Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, where we read, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Today in the studio with me, we have a special guest, Jill Morricone. Jill, welcome. Thank you so much, Etienne. It's a privilege to be here. Look, it's lovely to have you here. Now, Jill has had a lot of experience with 3ABN. She's always worked behind the cameras. And I don't know how often you've been in the radio studio. I don't think that happens too often, does it? It does not happen that often. So this is a privilege to come over to radio and to do this with you. Wonderful. I'm really looking forward to your testimony. And for you, listener, uh, for those who may be tuning in for the first time, by the word of their testimony is not scripted. It's something that we actually leave to the Holy Spirit's leading as people share their experiences and accounts as how God has entered their life and through providence, God has transformed and changed their lives. So, Joel, we're looking forward to hearing your testimony and also to hear what God has done in your life and maybe the contrast between where you've come from and where you find yourself now. So perhaps we can just start with the very first simple question. What are you currently doing? Well, um, my husband Greg and I work here at Three Angels Broadcasting Network hmm. here in the United States. Um, I've been here 15 years and taught music lessons in our local church school in the area for years and then transitioned to what I do now. Um, the last four years, I've worked full-time at 3ABN, um, administrative assistant to the president, and that would be Danny Shelton. He's yes. our president. President here. So my day consists of many different things. You wake up in the morning and you think, I'm going to be involved in this, but you never know. Open to what the Holy Spirit has, um, open to the different things that come up that day. So sometimes it's letters, sometimes it's phone calls, sometimes it's programs, sometimes it's schedule or organizing or many different things, production, but it's a blessing just to serve the Lord wherever He calls us. Hmm. Well, we do actually broadcast um, the audio feed from some of the programs that you do over here. Like one of those is 3ABN Today. Nice. That's on every day pretty much on your programming. So people would recognize your voice if they listen to us <laughs> on a regular yeah. basis. Yeah. So, look, it's wonderful to have you here. It sounds like you have a little bit of a musical background if you were teaching mm -hmm. music. So what aspect of music were you teaching? Well, I did. Um, I was trained as a kid in piano, so okay. classically trained in piano, and mm. I just loved it. Grew up loving music, loving the piano. I really cannot sing. I took voice lessons my senior year of high school, and the teacher told me to quit. He <laughs> said, you have no potential. So, oh, really? And the ironic thing is that at our local church school, I taught piano lessons, and mm. that would make sense with the piano background. But I also conducted the choir, wow. which is ironic considering I don't don't really sing, but... Um, but you I, know when a note's in tune. That is correct. Yeah. My ear can tell me that. That's yeah. right. And it's a joy working with the kids. So, yeah, oh, those were wonderful years. Well, that's a good segue, just talking about your early years experience and training in piano. Perhaps we can start of where you were born and your 
childhood background and experiences? Yeah, I was born in Hagerstown, Maryland. My dad was a teacher for the denomination for the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Okay. And so he was boys dean, math and science teacher at different schools. And mm. so we traveled around some here in the States and um, lived at some different schools. And then when I was about eight years old, my dad went back to school and decided to become a chiropractor. So then a chiropractor. A chiropractor. Wow. So then we moved to Massachusetts. So most of my years from eight on up, I lived in the city in mm. New England, a city girl, and um, lived in Massachusetts. Okay, wow. So those early years, it sounds like there was a lot of Christian influences. Um, did you attend a, a Christian school? Your dad was a do you know I was homeschooled? Homeschooled. Um, homeschooled. Okay. And so this was back in the day when it, it was legal, but it was um, not widely accepted. Today's okay. culture, it would be more widely accepted. But when my sister and I, there's two of us, and when we were homeschooled, it was not as not as accepted. But, of course, mm. my dad is a teacher, and he has his degree in education. So that helped a good deal. Absolutely. Um, yeah. We definitely were raised in a, in a Christian home. I, I can think back to from the age of a young child, I had a heart longing for God, Mm. uh, a desire to somehow walk with him. I remember even as a little girl thinking, I need to set a place for Jesus at the table. And my mom, bless her heart, she could have said, now what's wrong with you, (laughs) But she didn't say anything. And I'd set my little place for Jesus. Or I remember going to sleep at night and holding my hand out saying, okay, Jesus, I want you right here. You Mm. can hold my hand, you know, as I go to bed. But the interesting thing, and this is no discredit to the way I was raised of wonderful parents, um, I would say I was raised in a legalistic frame of reference. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not because my parents uh, didn't. It was really because they had not met Jesus. Mm. That's just being honest. And they would say that, too. Um, When they were raised, all they knew was the rules of the church. And Mm -hmm. this is what we do. This is what we don't do. And this is how we behave. And so all they knew is all they knew to pass on to me. Mm. And so I remember even at the age of eight trying to read my Bible, thinking I have to become perfect. Mm. I have to try to be good. I have to keep the commandments. And I couldn't. Mm. And so there was great mental anguish, even as a little kid. Um, How do I do this? And I know it's expected. And I can outwardly try to do what you're supposed to. But inwardly, I knew I was not right with Jesus. And I didn't know how to change that. Mm. So curious, you had this... Um, connection somehow with Jesus that he was someone special that you would you know have your hand out yeah. while you're lying in bed or you'd set a place at the yeah. table at a young age oh, yeah. before the age of eight I assume oh, yeah. what gave you that connection and that wanting, that longing that desire for Jesus even given that there was some element of legalism within the influences that you were experiencing it's a good question, and I wish I could tell you the answer to that. Mm. I'm, I'm not sure the answer to that. Um, obviously, I think that it's the hunger that God puts in each one of us, yeah, okay. even if yeah. I didn't know really who God was mm. and I hadn't experienced him per se and I was still struggling with this legalism. I think within the heart of each one of us 
is a soul hunger for God. Yeah. Amen. And we can try to fill that in any number of ways. Sometimes we try to do the little perfection thing. Mm-hmm. Other times we try to fill it with people, romance, uh, relationships, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is. But mm. I think there's a hole inside that yeah. only God can fill. And I think that was the Holy Spirit's drawing on my heart, even from a little kid, saying, I love you. Mm. I want to bring you to myself. And I didn't even know how that looked, what that looked like. I didn't know how to go about it. Yes. But I still had this drawing for God. Mm, that's wonderful. Yeah. So even when a, a legal construct is modeled based on the Word of God, like you're saying, it's probably the Holy Spirit that still Amen. speaks to people's hearts. You know, it reminds me of that text as you were speaking, John chapter 1, verse 9, where John the Apostle says that Christ is the light that lights every man that comes into the world. So we know the Holy Spirit's influences works with child, you know, from childhood and even younger than that. So praise God for that. So you have this experience. You have a real desire to please God and do the right thing. And from what you're saying at times, the desire was there, but how to do it wasn't always there. That was so it. maybe step us through from the age of eight onwards how your your life starts to unfold. So I would say that was my battle growing up, mm. you know, just what so you said. So a constant battle? In a nutshell. Not constant, but I think it was always in the back of my mind. Sure. It was always there like, I really want to know God. I want to know how to walk in victory. And I don't know how to do that. Mm. And then I reached the age of 13, okay. which is <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, just hitting teen years. Um, I discovered boys and my parents were a little concerned. Mm. And um, I remember them saying, well, we're going to curtail some of these activities. Um, We want you to be, you know, careful in the decisions that you're making. And I got mad. Oh, really? And um, I hurt my parents a lot. Mm. I got mad. I um, lashed out in anger. Um, I did not understand the restrictions that I thought they were putting on me, which mm. were really for my betterment. But I did not and understand protection, yeah. protection. That's yeah, right. Yeah. But I did not understand that. Mm. And um, at that time, as I looked around, I was still battling in my heart. Why does it seem like uh, the Bible talks about? Victory. Mm. The Bible talks about Jesus. The Bible talks about I can live this life and God can, not Christ in you, the hope of glory. But I don't see that being walked out. Mm. I don't see that. No one was modeling it. No one was modeling that. At least I'm not saying people weren't modeling it. Maybe there was something over a blinder over my eye where I could not see it being modeled. And so I made a deliberate choice, a deliberate decision. I was 13 and a half. Mm. I kept a journal. And I remember writing in my journal, God, you don't work. Christianity does not work. Wow, you wrote that. You say it in the Bible. This is true. But I don't see it lived out. God, I'm mm. choosing to walk away from you. You wrote that in your, I in wrote your journal. 13 and a half years old. And, wow. And I turned my back on God mm. completely. Now, outwardly, I still, well, I still had a little anger issue with my with my mom and my dad. Okay. Um, and outwardly, I didn't run out and act out. But in my heart, I was convinced that the word of God was fake mm. because... The things I saw in the Bible, I 
had not seen lived out. And so I was convinced that, okay, well, I'm giving up on God. I'm giving Mm -hmm. up on Christianity. And I hardened my heart against the work of the Holy Spirit. Wow. So you obviously were familiar with the scriptures. That sort of created a high expectation in your mind. And subjectively, you didn't experience that. And also, you weren't aware of anybody modeling that high standard that you saw in Scripture. And they decided that this can't be, this can't be genuine, so you walked away from it. Yeah. And that was about at the age of 13 and a half. 13 and a half. That wow. lasted about six months. Okay, so it's a short it rebellious period. It was a short period. rebellious period. Well, praise the Lord, it was short. Because <laughs> normally, some people, it lasts for years. Do you, you know, know, I could have been there 10 years, 20 wow. years, you know. And I think it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Amen. And God is not willing that any should perish, yeah. but that all should come to repentance. So I just think it, in the goodness of God, he worked in my mom's heart. And that is what brought me back to Jesus. What Mm. happened was my mom, as I mentioned, was raised in a legalistic religion herself, so she didn't know any better. And she tells me now that she had cried out to God, I want to be changed. I want to learn how to walk with you, but no one was there to show her, and she didn't know how to do Mm. it. Well, about six months in, so I'm about 14 now, she discovered Jesus, and she didn't tell me about it. All I noticed is that she began to change. And the things that maybe used to irritate her before or the things that, you know, as a kid, you know what triggers your parents' buttons. Mm -hmm. And those things didn't bother her anymore. And so as (laughs) one who's wondering, is this true or not, I began to push those buttons harder. And I knew exactly what would make her mad. Okay. I knew what would uh, irritate her, and so I would push them. Mm. I would act out because I knew she would respond, but she didn't respond. And I would say things because I knew she would respond back, mm. and she didn't respond back. And I remember laying awake at night. What's different about my mom? So this kept you awake at night at it times. You, you were did. thinking while you're lying in your bed, thinking, but what's going on? What's different about my mom? Why is she so different? Mm. And so this went on probably two weeks, and I just pondered it. Like, why is my mom so different? And then one day, I remember I went downstairs. She was in the kitchen, and she was kind of singing happy about her work. And I thought, boy, that's different, too. She's always happy. Mm. And so I said to her, what made the difference, Mom? Why are you so different? And she said, am I really that different, Jill? And, you know, that's so interesting to me because when God changes our life, sometimes we're the last ones to know it. Mm. The people around you see the change in you, right? Yes. But sometimes you don't see it yourself. And so she says to me, am I really that different, Jill? Mm. And I said, it's like night and day. You're not even the same person. And she said, I met Jesus. Wow. I met Jesus. Mm. He changed my life. And if you want to, sweetheart, you can meet him too. Mm. And so that was the turning point in my walk with God. Because for the first time, I experienced that Christianity can work. Because I saw it modeled, lived out in the life of someone who was, you could say, one of the closest people to me Mm. in my life, the life of my mom. Wow. Praise the Lord. So you walked away because you didn't see it modeled. You didn't experience it in your own life. And within a matter of six months, you see a dramatic change in your mother, one that you can't explain, one that you contemplate by lying in your bed at night. And she just she tells you what it is, but she doesn't realize how much she has changed. Yeah. 
Well, praise God for that. So what you were looking for, you discovered. I did. Yeah, not everybody gets that opportunity. So I praise God that that actually you were able to experience that. And that somehow impacted your life quite significantly, I'd imagine. It did. Absolutely. And I'm not saying from that moment on, Hmm. my walk with Jesus was not perfect. I mean, obviously, there's much growing to do. But I think that was the point when I realized, God, you're real. Mm. And I can experience this for myself. A few years later, I was kind of late teens, probably. And I remember going through another experience. I was away from home, um, down at college and away from home and experiencing just some of that. You know, you're lonely for some away from home, um, some other challenges in my life at that time. And I remember turning to my Bible. And this is if I can read a verse. Yes, please. This do. is Psalm chapter 34. And this was verse 8. The Bible says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man, or you could say, or woman, who Mm. trusts in him. And so at that point, I was again, you know, sometimes we're hard hard learners. Does that make sense? Yes. Like sometimes you think, okay, God. I can God, relate to that. Yes, yeah. you've showed me. So you think, yeah, I've, I'm going to have it and I've got it, God, and mm. I'm going to walk along here. But but all of a sudden, I was struggling again in my, in my walk with God at that time. And I read this verse and mm. it was like God said to me, test me, taste me, see what it's like to truly Walk with me. Mm. Surrender 100% of your heart to me and see what it's like. And I said, okay, God, I want to do this. I want to test you. I want to see if you really are good. And then during that time, he revealed himself to me in such an incredible way that I thought, wow, you are good. And I had seen it in my mom's life those years before. And Mm. I had experienced it in glimpses, you know, in this subsequent years. But I think at that time, again, I made that. That's always, to be honest with you, two of my battles in my Christian walk. Mm. One of them has been 100% surrender to the Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. Me wanting to hang on to something. Right. At that time in my life, I think it was, I want to hang on to who I'm going to marry. Like, okay, God, if I let you choose who my husband's going to be, you might bring me somebody ugly. how shallow does that seem right but i as a teenager you're thinking you might say okay jill you're supposed to marry this person and i can't even stand him but Mm. of course god says what in james every good gift and every perfect Perfect. gift is from above Mm. and comes down from the father of lights with whom is no variableness or shadow of turning so of course god brings us the best gifts Mm. but sometimes It was hard for me to trust that and to surrender Mm. and to say, God, whoever you have for me, I give it 100% to you. And I will trust in you and I will wait on you for the person Mm. you have for me. Yeah, the waiting takes just as much trust, doesn't it? Because quite often we can be very impatient as people. Yeah. But I just want to just step back just briefly before you uh, take that thought further. You said that you asked God to reveal himself to you, and he did. Can you perhaps just unpack a little bit more what you mean by how you, how did he reveal himself to you? What was it that made you realize that God is real and you found that you discovered a revelation of him? I think some of the best ways is when I experience his peace. Mm. In the midst of a difficult situation, yes. I think experiencing his joy, mm-hmm. um, experiencing that 
he can actually give me victory. Amen. Yeah. Um, that's been pivotal in my life because I'm a feeling based person. Okay. Some people are logic driven and mm. some people are more feeling driven. And I think in, in my experience, my walk with God, and I don't know if it's a woman thing when I do women's retreats and talk to women and speak. Many times, many women come up and say, I'm feeling driven as well. Mm. And I don't know if that's gender related or just a personality thing, but I am feeling driven. So in my experience, many times, if I wake up and it feels like the sun's shining and you pray and you feel like, I feel God's presence, I must be close to God. Hmm. And then the next day, if you wake up and maybe it's cloudy yeah. and you try to pray and it feels like your prayer hits the ceiling mm-hmm. and it bounces down and you feel like God's not hearing me, in my human thinking, I think there's something wrong. I'm somehow disconnected with God. Is there something in my relationship with him? So for me to learn to walk by faith, by what the word of God says, Mm. if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, 1 John 1, 9, to, to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if I go to God and say, I'm sorry for such and such. Will mm. you forgive me? Now, I can stand up off my knees knowing I'm forgiven yes. and cleansed. Whether I feel forgiven or not, I would wonder for weeks, I don't feel forgiven. I must not be forgiven. Yeah. I have to do a little bit more penance. I have to try to be better. Mm. I have to be a better Christian for God to accept me again. I can't come back and ask for forgiveness until further down the road when I'm a little more holy. So I was so feeling driven. So I think back to your question, the taste and see that that God is good to experience that I can claim Mm. a promise in God's word. All his promises are yes and amen Amen. in Christ Jesus. And I can claim a promise and I know whether I feel it or not, Mm. that that promise is true. And then to experience as I begin to walk, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in you. So as I do that, even if I don't feel it, then pretty soon God begins to change those feelings Mm. and to experience that God can give me victory. God can change my feelings. God can change who I am and work to transform me into his character. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting you should raise that because that's quite a common thing. Uh, while you said it might be more of a gender thing, you know, maybe may more female than male, I, I, I don't know because I can relate to that and I'm sure there'll be many males and yes. females that can relate to that where we wake up one day, we feel fantastic and on top of the world, you say your prayer and you bounce up and, you know, you're just there. You feel the presence of the Spirit of God. And then the next day, as you're saying, it might be cloudy or raining, and then you just don't quite feel the same. But God doesn't change. He says, I'm the same today, yesterday, and forever. And we need to know to live by faith because God said so, not because our feelings said so or didn't say so. And I think that's a powerful lesson to learn. And I think that comes with experience as well, you know. But the great thing I like that you brought out there is that you said that, you know, you rely on God by faith and ultimately the the feelings do come, the love, the joy, the peace, the fruit of the Spirit. Because you're mentioning the peace and you mentioned Mm -hmm. joy before. And that's all the things we get. It's that package that we get when we receive the Holy Spirit of God. So thank you for unpacking that. So you now have 
decided you're going to surrender all to God and the things with you wanted to stay in control, like, for example, a life mate, you know, a husband, you decide you'll even leave that in God's hands and wait on him. So at what age do you make this decision? I was a freshman in college, so I'd have been 18 years old. 18, mm-hmm. okay. So maybe step us through what happened subsequent to you making this decision, because that's quite a momentous decision. You know, that's another way of surrendering. You know, at each step we make a decision and we surrender or not. So yeah, no, that was huge. Um, when I was backing up just for a moment, when I was, um, I'm two years younger than my sister. So my parents okay, so had this rule in our house: we couldn't date till we were sixteen. Okay. And when my sister turned sixteen, I was fourteen, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking in two years. And then they said, oh, we changed it to 18. Oh, no. So your sister had to wait another two years and, and you had to wait four I years? four, right. So oh. just about the time I'm 18, freshman in college, that's when God said, will you trust me with even that? And to me at that age, that was probably one of the most important things in my life. Am I going to trust God with yeah. a life partner? Especially having looked forward to, to the age of 18 for four years. That's and right. now as you embark on that, you go, hang on. Do I take control of this or to let God take control Amen. of this? Wow. Amen. So I made that decision mm. that I would surrender that to God and trust him yeah. with whoever he would bring for a life partner. So I met Greg. Uh, we were Mr. Morricone. Mr. Morricone. Yes. Our freshman year together. Freshman, and, just explain that for the Australian audience. So what does that mean? First year of college or okay, so what age? university? I, first I was year 18. of university. Okay, I was 18. 18. Yep. Yeah. So um, he, I had gone a year early. He had waited a year. We're two years apart, but we actually were in the same grade, the same class. And I know he's not here, so this is not his story, but one yeah. little caveat. Um, we met in the cafeteria, and I just sat down where he was eating and just, mm-hmm. just chit-chat. Oh, we're going to go to class together. I didn't think anything about it. Mm-hmm. I stood up to go, and he told me, this was years later, he told me that as soon as I stood up, he had the thought in his mind, that is your wife. Really? You're going to marry her. Now, you realize if I get an opportunity, I'm going to interview Greg <laughs> and get his version of the story as well. <laughs> okay, but that's that's fa- that's fascinating that he would actually say that. Yeah, and that. but see, I didn't know any of that. No, no. And, um, Obviously, it's not something you just blurt across the room and say, oh, there's my wife. Okay, yeah. That's right. <laughs> and so, and he has, his journey is different, so I won't share all of that, except for the sure. fact that his parents had given him a key. When he was 13, 14, and told him it represented the key to his heart. Wow. And he was supposed to save that key for the woman he was going to marry, not to give pieces to this girl. And then, oh, I think we'll hang out a while. No, let me go to this girl over here. Mm. So I didn't know any of this about his background. We just became very good friends. And we went through school, um, graduated. I was teaching on the West Coast, uh, Washington State, teaching high school. And Greg was at 3ABN. And we communicated the old-fashioned letter-writing variety, no mention of anything. Yeah. During this time in my heart, I felt like I'm starting to be drawn out after him. Mm. You know, you can correspond with different people, and it's just platonic. Yes. But this felt a little different. Mm. And I felt like if he goes somewhere... I'm going to feel hurt in mm. my heart because my heart is going out. And so I saw him. This was the year after graduation. This was 2001. And I saw him again, and all those feelings came up. 
and I told God, I just got down on my face before him, and I said, I don't know what you're doing with this relationship. I don't know if Greg's the one for me. He is really slow because he hasn't expressed any interest, but I'm feeling something inside, and I don't Mm. know if I should be doing that because I told you, God, I'd wait for who you had. So is who you have Greg, but if so, uh, you know, you haven't said anything. So... I told God, and I don't know if I recommend this, but this is just part of my journey. Sure. I said, you have 24 hours. Wow. 24 hours for Greg to say something. If if he does not, I'm not going to write him again. Wow. <laughs> That's quite an ultimatum. It's... Now, I know the end of the story <laughs> because you're Mrs. Morricone. So something must have happened in that 24 hours, did it? Something happened in that 24 hours. This was at night. And the next day, um, we were there. It was the Sabbath. And that afternoon, um, Greg stopped and talked to my parents. Before he spoke to you? Before he spoke to me. What a gentleman. And he said, I'm interested in your daughter and explained whatever. And Mm. then um, they came and talked to me. Oh, they spoke to you they before Greg did. They spoke to me before Greg. You know, this is very old-fashioned in the 21st century. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, praise God, there's still some of that old-fashioned uh, virtue around. Because yeah. it doesn't happen that way nowadays. The it, parents are left out altogether. Yeah, yeah well, anyway, yeah. sorry. Continue yeah. your story. This is fascinating. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they came and spoke to me, and they said, Greg talked to us, and he said he's considered you for a wife. And I said, a wife? He hasn't even told me he likes me. And he's thought about me for a wife. Mm. And they said, well, he wants to talk to you. And I said, okay. And so we spoke, and he shared his heart with me. And we entered into a relationship. And um, it's kind of a longer story, but a year, year and a half Mm. later, we were married in Massachusetts. Wow. Yeah. You know, people talk about fairy tales and they have different versions of that, but I think that's a fairy tale in a sense, but it's God involved in your lives because surely if Greg took those virtuous standards and approach to even respect your parents, you know, and talk to them, uh, God must have been leading in his life just as much as he was leading in yours. Amen. And you know, the beautiful thing is back when I was 18 Mm. and I'm saying, God, can I trust you? Can I surrender? Can I trust you with who you have for me? And here God brought me my best friend. Mm. We were best friends in school. God brought me somebody handsome. Yes. (laughs) But most importantly, you know, I'm so blessed. Greg is so incredibly good to me. And Mm. um, I just think if I could look the world over, you know, I'm just so thankful for who he brought. Yeah. Mm. So... When this conversation took place between Greg and your parents, Greg and yourself, what age are you now? I was 20, almost 23. Okay, so this is five years after you made oh, yeah. that commitment to the Lord. Yeah. So you had to wait a few years. I did. But ultimately, you came to a point where you put that ultimatum to the Lord. And I guess sometimes you've got to be careful what you pray for for a 24-hour period. And <laughs> Wow. Well, praise God. So... Um, yeah, I don't know how we trump that. That is a fantastic testimony. <laughs> but I, I'm curious just um, to get to this point. Where would you say are the key markers as far as you're saying, this is where I believe I was truly converted for the first time? Because we know that at the age of 14, mm-hmm. something great happened between you and your mom and her 
representing the character of God where there was a transformation in her life where she used to respond to things that would provoke her. Right. She didn't. And then, of course, at the age 18, when you made this very big decision, you've been waiting for four years to be allowed to date. And then from what I pick up, you didn't date until you that met Greg. Correct. That wow. is correct. Wow. Praise God. So, which He was my first boyfriend, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Wow, that yeah, you know that is so beautiful. The first man I ever loved, the first yeah man I ever held hands with, all of that. Mm. Yeah, he oh. gave me a key. He did. When he asked me to, was it the key that his mum? It was not. It was a copy. A copy. But he put our, my initials on one side and his on the other, and he said, "It represents the key to my heart. Mm. I've saved it my whole life for you." Wow. I've never given it to someone else. Yeah, that and is it really represents special. the key to my heart, and I want to work to win your heart. But of course, he'd already won it. But <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know. <laughs> okay, yeah. wow. So, um, I think some of those you were right. Fourteen, mm. that was a transitional time with Jesus. Yes. Eighteen, that complete surrender. I think another time happened actually shortly after Greg and I got married. Okay. Um, he was here at three ABN working. Mm. And I moved here because obviously we got married. Yes. So um, this is country, and I'm a city girl from Massachusetts. And as you know from being here, our 3ABN is definitely in the country. Well, look, we're amongst the cornfields here. We it are. is very much country, yes. Yeah, and it's beautiful. And mm. um, uh, a few months into our marriage, we bought a little 13 inch TV. And it had rabbit ears, which is just, you know, you get the local channels with it. Yes. No cable, just the local channels. And um, Greg likes typical guy stuff, you mm. know, sports, news, weather. Um, I became hooked on something else. Mm. And backing up just a bit, I did not tell you this about my testimony. When I was a teenager, I became, this was before I surrendered at 18, my love life, and, and did that. Mm. Um, when I was earlier teens, I became hooked on romance novels. Oh. And so here's a girl who's wanting to walk with God, but yet Satan has this, what could you say, stronghold? Mm. Something in my life. And um, I knew it was wrong. I knew it led me from Jesus. But it was like... An escape, you know, here's yeah. something I can form this little fantasy boy meets girl. This is what happens. And so when I was 18 and I made that full commitment to Jesus, I made the decision to give those up and wow. to no okay. longer read those, to mm. no longer uh, do have anything to do with that. Ask God to give me his purity. Mm. So fast forward now, Greg and I are early married. We bought this 13 inch TV. He's watching weather and news. I became hooked on something else. Soap operas. Oh, And I hid my addiction from Greg. Mm. And I mean, I was addicted. Uh, At the very beginning of our marriage, I was doing the music lessons. And uh, sometimes I was at home during the time when they would come on. And it was like a romance novel come to life. Right. You have high drama. You have a lot of uh, romance, a lot of fantasy. Nothing about Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It's in a soap opera. Nothing pure, nothing true, True. Mm. nothing lovely, nothing of good report. And I knew that. Mm. I knew I should not be watching it. 
I knew it was pulling me from Jesus. And here we had had this beautiful love story, as in saving ourselves for, you know, who God has for you and that surrender. And I had walked those five years without any of those books and just walking with Jesus. And and now all of a sudden Satan brings this, you know, Mm. this temptation. It's a weakness. And and it came back. And so I hid it from Greg, or at least I thought I hid it from Greg. And he knew, but I didn't know he knew. And we talked about everything except for that. Mm. And I was afraid to bring it up because I was afraid he was going to say, Jill, you shouldn't do this. Right. And so one night I remember he said, can we talk? And I was like, yeah, because we talked every night. Uh And he said, well, we need to sit down for this talk. And it sounded kind of serious. And I started Mm. to get a little nervous. And so we sat on the couch. And all of a sudden he said, I know you're addicted to soap operas. Just like that? Just like that. Wow. And I looked at him and I said, "Uh, well, uh, you're right. Because Mm. I knew it. There's no sense hiding anymore. And he said, Jilly, I am called of God to be the priest in our home. Mm. I am responsible to God for not only what happens spiritually with me, but what happens spiritually with you because you are my wife. Mm. God wants us to get rid of the TV. Wow. And I said, but I can't. Mm. It was so strong, like the pull in my heart. Mm. I can't. And he said, I know that. But will you trust me and will you let me throw it out? And so he knelt down by the couch Mm. and prayed and asked God for that purity of heart again. Asked God to cleanse, Mm. make whole, restore. And then we threw out our TV. Wow. That decision was made. We've been married 15 years coming up, so I'd say it would be about 13 and a half, 14 years ago. Mm. And that, I think, is one of the most pivotal decisions we made in our marriage. Now, we have three ABNs, so we're not sure. talking about Christian television. Sure. Um, we have three ABN through the satellite, mm-hmm. but we do not have rabbit ears. Because okay. I know if we got that within six months, I'd probably be back there again. Wow. Is that right? And I don't want to go there. So, mm. you know, there's a verse I like in Romans thirteen fourteen. Yeah. It says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh mm. to fulfill its lusts. Mm. And I think no matter what thing we struggle with, you know, that might be something I struggle with. Everybody has a battle. Yes. Everybody has something they deal with. But if we keep those things in our home, surrounded, you know, surrounding us and think I'm strong in Jesus, I won't be tempted by that. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden in a weak moment, it comes back up. And so I believe that decision, which my husband led in, mm-hmm. I don't think I could have even made that decision. I was willing to go along. You, you know, were willing to be made willing. I was. And he mm. said, we need to do this. And so I said, okay. Um, but I think that decision made such a tremendous difference. And it kind of started me back anew, you could say, on that decision I had made when I was 18 to completely surrender again and to walk in that complete oneness with my Savior, like mm. nothing Amen. between me and him. Mm. 
Wow, that is powerful. That is such a wonderful testimony. It just shows, you know, if if you hadn't made that decision there, your life may have been significantly different now to what it is. Especially in your work with the Lord because, you know, Mm -hmm. their growth may not have been there. Because quite often, quite often, if people don't surrender those things that they know interferes with their relationship with the Lord, you know, it severs the tie that God wants to have with us. Quite often, they stay there, but that they actually don't stay there in a like a, a limbo equilibrium state. What happens is there's slow and slow paralysis and and spiritual death. So I praise God for that, you know, and for other people, it may not be that. It might be something else in their That's life, right. but all of us can have something that we can write and say, yeah, there's something in my life that I perhaps know that I need to put away, but I just can't. Mm-hmm. And the willingness to be made willing quite often is very important. The exercise of the will and saying, Lord, you'll have to take this from me. I, 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 I don't even want to give it to you, but I'm willing for the sake of the relationship because you love me. For the sake of the relationship, I'm willing to do that. So thank you so much for bringing that out. Now, we've covered three key aspects to your life. Well, four if you include the marriage Mm -hmm. as well, but that was pretty at the age of 23. Yeah, four. That's right. So um, for people who are perhaps looking, and we've already started touching on that, you know, who are searching for something better in their life. You know, you said taste and see that the Lord is good. What advice do you give people who are searching, who may have some addictions in their life, to transform and change their life? Now, we've touched on that, but can you maybe just unpack that a little bit more for us, if you don't mind? Absolutely. Um, I'm passionate about surrender, Mm. about the concept of surrender. And you are so right. Many times we can't even do it. But we ask God to make us to be willing, mm. you know. Um, there's a quote I love that says, there is no standing still in the Christian life. Mm. We are either advancing with Jesus or we're turning around and floating with a current, which really is almost the easy way out, you yes, could say. Yes, it's the way the, the natural carnal heart wants to go mm. and just floating with the current. And so um, I think God wants to bring us victory. First mm. Corinthians 15, um, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Victory is a gift. Victory mm. is not about gritting my teeth and trying harder. Mm. Victory is not about saying, I will not eat that candy bar or, <laughs> or I will not watch that soap opera or look at that pornography or mm. I will not pick up that cigarette or or get engaged in whatever addiction. You yes, know, yes. Um, for several years, I was involved in prison ministry, jail ministry in our local area with the woman. Mm. We would go Monday nights and do Bible studies. And I would say 100% of the women in there are broken by addiction. Mm. You know, I remember one of the girls who was in, she was in for some time. She came out. We didn't see her. She got released and we were so excited. And then I saw her come back. And I said, oh, what are you doing? We'll call her Sarah. That's not her sure, name. Yeah. So, Sarah, what are you doing back here? Why are you here? And she said, well, I came clean. Her addiction was drugs. There's a lot of meth in this area. And yeah. so her addiction was drugs. And she said, um, I came out of that. I was clean. But as soon as I came out, the influence, the environment, all my friends, everybody I know does drugs. And she said, I went right back to it. And my cousin OD'd on drugs, didn't mean to, but had taken too much. And she said, she died in my arms, Jill. And I went right out and got high again. 
And then the police picked her up and she went back into jail. Mm. And so no matter what the addiction is, we cannot break it. Mm. I think the first thing is to go to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Father, I am weak, but you are strong. Father, I want to be made willing Mm. to give this to you. Will you come in? Will you give me your victory? I think surrender is the first key in having deliverance and obtaining that deliverance. And, of course, there's other keys. There's not making provision for the flesh, so Mm. not having that in your home, not having that in your area. Knowing your weaknesses and staying away from them. Yeah, If if you have a problem with alcohol, don't go into a pub or a bar. Absolutely. Changing associations. Mm. Sometimes we think I can have all the friends who pull me downward, um, but sometimes we need to change friendships Mm. and seek friendships who people who seek after God. Mm. Second Corinthians 318. That's one of my favorite verses, too. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass. The glory of the Lord are changed. In the Greek, that word is metamorphosed, Mm. transformed like the butterfly. You go from the caterpillar to the butterfly and you think they look nothing alike. The Mm. caterpillar is crawling on his belly and not real attractive. And all of a sudden he goes through that metamorphosed process, Mm -hmm. process, the cocoon. He comes out as a butterfly, beautiful, flying. And you think God transforms us in the same fashion. We're all larvae. We're all caterpillars. We're all just crawling on the ground. And God Mm. says, as we behold him, as we look at his face, what happens? We become transformed. It's not us doing any changing. It's surrendering, Mm. allowing God to do the changing, looking at Jesus, Mm. spending time in his word, Falling in love with him. Yeah. And then, to his image from yes. glory to glory. Yeah. Amen. You know, I think you've brought up some key aspects. While you were talking there, I was actually thinking of Jesus' words in John chapter 8 and verse 34, where Jesus actually says, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. So Jesus comes to take that slavery away from us. He comes to set us free. I mean, if you want true freedom, now, Jesus is the one that can give it to us because whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And then two verses down there in verse 36, Jesus says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And that's what you're telling us. You've experienced that in your life now just when you're yes. talking about the soap operas and how that was a challenge for you. And yeah, you surrendered that to God. And you've been delivered now for 13 and a half years from, from that addiction. Yes. But you also know at the same time you can not rely on the flesh, and you need to know that if you bring that bunny aerials with the TV, that is possibly something that will grab you again and bring back that addiction or that enslavement. So we praise God for the wisdom that he gives us as well through the word. We get to know ourselves by getting to know our Savior. Yes. So thank you for that. Now, another question I wouldn't mind you um, answering. You've spoken to those who want to you know, discover and walk with the Lord and meet Jesus for the first time. What do you say to people in regards to those who have met God, who are going through some challenges, they have a relationship with the Lord, they know God, they know the Holy Spirit. What can they do to maintain that relationship and grow? Because you said if you're not moving forwards, you know, stagnating is not going to help anybody. What do we do? What are, you, what are your suggestions? What, what advice do you give? If I can share one other pivotal experience, sure. and I'll tie that in with your question that, there. Be great. Um, this is one other pivotal uh, 
thing that happened in my life. Um, actually, it happened to both Greg and I. We were married a couple years, mm. and most couples, your kind of dream is you get married and the white wedding dress and mm. have the honeymoon, and then you settle in. A few years later, you think you have kids. That's kind of just their traditional mm, mindset, mm, their mm. traditional thought. And so I think that was always what we had thought. Yeah. Um, we'll be married a couple years, and then we'll have kids, except... We were married a couple of years, and then I didn't get pregnant. Mm. And so then you read on the Internet or whatever. They say, well, you need to give it time. Not mm. everyone gets pregnant in the first month. Give yourself time. Yeah. And so we waited, and we waited a year, actually, before we even went to the doctor for any type of testing. Mm. And then we went to the doctor and undergo those tests, and yes. they try to see what they can do. And is there anything medically that's wrong with you and mm. what, whatever? And so during this time, um, it was a painful time, mm. especially, I, I guess, for both of us. I was going to say for me, but I think my husband, it was just as hard for Greg. Yeah. Um, and I remember the day the doctor called with the news. I was making bread, actually, at home. And you'd think mm. this would be news that you would share in the office Maybe with a little bit of, we'll sit down and let's have a little talk. Yeah. But he shared it over the phone, which oh. is kind of unique. And I remember I had my, my ear cricked because my hands were dirty with the bread dough, and I have the phone up to my ear and shoulder. And he said, I'm calling to let you know that you and your husband are infertile. Mm. And he used words like rare, unusual, uh, we don't know why. And mm. then there was a click. And the dial tone, and he hung up. That was it? That was it. Wow. And I couldn't call Greg. He was at work. Mm. And it's not like I wanted to blurt that out over the phone to him. Sure. So I remember I left the bread dough, and I threw the phone down, and I ran outside. And it was springtime. And I remember the the leaves were just unfurling. They're, they're green, you know, mm. and the sky was blue, but I couldn't see that. I couldn't hear that. I was just crying. It would seem like the devastation mm, of mm. what we had hoped for, what we had wanted, what you think your life is going to look like. Mm. And I just cried and I cried. And then all of a sudden, you know, you can only cry so long. And then all of a sudden, it was like I heard God in the back of my voice, not an audible voice, but yeah. like in the back of my mind. And he said, Jill, my precious daughter, count your blessings. And I thought, what? God, I want some pity. Hmm. Don't you think you could give me a little bit of pity? I'm going through a hard time. Yeah. Don't you think you could show some sympathy? Why do you care about praise? But I wanted to follow God, and mm. I did not understand why he had said to count my blessings, but I wanted to follow him. So I began. And, oh, I have a godly husband. Oh, thank you, God, for that. Oh, I have a wonderful church family, and we have ministry. And, and I, it's faster and faster those blessings started to tumble out. Mm. And you know what happened? As I began to praise, those feelings of sadness began to dissipate. And I could feel the warmth of the sun on my face and see the leaves, hear the birds singing. And I don't mean to say that it was solved in a moment. Sure. I don't mean that. Yeah. It was a journey of surrender, mm. surrendering what I had thought was my desire sure. and saying, God, what is your desire for my life? 
Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desire of your heart. So what does that mean? Does that mean God's going to give us children? No, I think that means God lines my desires, if I surrender, up with his desires. Mm. And for some reason, he chose to say no. And that is a beautiful thing because that is his will for our life. Um, So I think as you choose that journey, Mm. that journey of walking with Jesus, and as I think back over the, it's been, I don't know, 12 years or so, I guess, as I think back over that journey, those 12 years, I wouldn't want to be led any other way. And in our experience, and I know some people God calls to adopt, some people there's different experiences. But in our experience, I believe God said no because he called us to ministry. Mm. And God pulled that desire, I don't know how else to explain it, and replaced it with a desire for ministry. So if you were to ask me today, Jill, do you wish for kids? Do you want kids? The answer is no, Mm. because God so transformed even that desire. Yeah. That my passion and my heart is to serve the Lord Jesus, to share what he has done in my life, to share the power in his word, Mm. to share that if God can do it for me, God can do it for anybody. Mm. So you asked, how do you maintain or what are some keys and steps to walking that journey? And I believe one of the biggest keys, we've talked about this, is surrender, but then choosing to praise in the midst of everything. You know, Paul tells us in Thessalonians, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And Mm. I believe as we choose, it doesn't mean everything is thankworthy, because obviously it's not, not Mm -hmm. everything is, but it does mean that I can choose to give thanks in the midst of every trial. Every difficulty, Mm. every challenge that comes across my way. And what does that mean? As I give thanks, God uses that experience to transform my life as I choose to give thanks. So I think in the journey with Jesus, of course, spend time in the Word of God. Amen. Spend time in prayer. Spend time with Jesus. Walk with Him and talk with Him. Um, But during that, as we encounter, because everyone has trials and difficulties, and as we encounter those difficulties, make a choice to choose to rejoice, even Mm. if we don't feel like it. Number one, God changes our feelings in the midst of that choice. But number two, as we give thanks, God uses that trial to change me, to transform my character and make me into the image of Jesus. Mm, Amen. That is really beautiful, Jill. I appreciate you sharing that. And for those people who may not have a desire for spiritual things, but they might be listening to this program, so there's some interest there. But to get to the Word or read the Word and they just haven't experienced the the interest, they try and read and they haven't started, is there any advice you can perhaps just give to them in closing? Well, my advice would be the Lord Jesus loves you. Mm. We can't spend time with the Word or with someone if we don't know them. You know Mm. someone you love, you want to hang with, you want to talk with. And so the best way to get to know Jesus 
is to spend time in the Word of God. Mm. That's where we see who He is. I would recommend starting in the Gospels. Okay. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That Good to me, that's to one of the best ways to find out who Jesus is. Mm. His love for you and how much, I mean, He loved you enough to die for you on the cross. So to spend time, just read a few verses, not to try to do a marathon read, mm. just a couple verses. What do you want to show me in this today, God? Mm. So that what you want to show me is actually a prayer of sorts. So pray that God will just give you the insights required from his word because spiritual things are spiritually discerned. You're dealing with a spiritual document. It is spirit and it is life. And these words are living and powerful. But God needs to quicken us through his spirit. So thank you very much, Jill. You have been listening to by the word of their testimony. And my guest today has been Jill Morricone. Jill, thank you very much. It's been such a pleasure to hear your testimony and share what God has done in your life and look at all those milestones as as you've marked them off. About five of them, I think, they've been. And I just thank you for sharing those. I'm sure that our listeners will all be blessed by that and some people's lives will be impacted significantly looking at where your life came from. You came from a good life, but then that transition, which we're not naturally born into, that transition into a relationship, a saving relationship with the Lord Amen. that gives you so much fulfillment and contentment. So, dear listener, if you would like more information or if you have any questions about today's program, please contact us on 3ABN Australia Radio. You can contact us by phoning us on 024973-3456 or you can send us an email and you can send it to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Or if you like, you could even go to our Facebook page, 3ABN Australia Radio, and you can send us a message there if you like as well. So please join me next time as we share more of what God has done in the lives of people just like you and me. Until next time. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.